welcome back to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Today we're going to talk about um, why it is so critically important for fathers to have wills. Why fathers must have last wills and testaments. We're going to talk about that in particular. But as always, we are open to answer any questions that you have about wills, trusts, estate planning, deeds, what happens to property when someone dies. I've done programs on grandparents, what happens to grandparents' uh, properties, how important it is for aunts and uncles to have their wills done when it is their intention to benefit their nieces and their nephews. Uh, because a lot of people are very, very close to their aunts and their uncles, their grandparents. Many people were raised by their aunts, their uncles, their grandparents, their godparents, their their friends, uh, and that's who they want to benefit. It's you absolutely have to have a will in order to make sure that these persons are um, taken care of. Uh, if that is your intention, you have to have a will, and and. It's always been the case, but it's starting to come back up again where I'm seeing the importance of having fathers have wills. It is really, really important. Uh, But before I get into that conversation, uh, I wanted to say something about the news today. Uh, We're all seeing all over the television how exciting it is that this, this really Bright young girl is is the young black girl is the national spelling bee champion and certainly and she's from Louisiana where I grew up at and so that's a real real plus as well certainly we're proud of her uh, but as is so often the case in our when I say our I mean in black history there's another story that we don't know and that is. Were there other black students who were just as bright and just as capable and not given the opportunity to come to the National Spelling Bee or other types of competitions? Uh, So the fact that this may be the first may not be a reflection on the lack of knowledge or the lack of uh, smartness, as we might say. Um, I happen to know that the person, there was another black student who won the spelling bee in Youngstown, Ohio. And he won the the spelling bee. He was the first black person to win it uh, in the state of Ohio. And Ohio refused to send him to the national spelling bee competition. Refused, categorically refused, even though he clearly won it. Uh, he was uh, he was the person that should have gone because he was black. They refused to. His grandmother fought with them about it. They still refused to. And so he never got the opportunity to go to the spelling bee. And so 50 years ago, there could have been another black national spelling bee champion. And I happen to know that because that is the man who I married. That is the man who is the father of my children, Ronald Thomas Mitchell. That happened to him in Youngstown, Ohio. And God only knows if he could have been the spelling bee champion. I wonder how many other people 
I would, I'm curious if, if you know of other black students or people who have excelled and have been kept back from being able to excel even more because of their color, it might be interesting to find that out and put that out uh, in, in, in the world because these kinds of stories need to be told. So that our children and other people don't think, well, we just only got to be bright enough to do this stuff. And point in fact, we've always been bright enough. And we need to make that very clear by making our own stories known. So if you or someone you know knows of other people who have won spelling bees or have won other contests uh, and, and were not allowed to go on in competition, I'd be curious if you would let me know. And we'll see if we can make a collection or do something about it so more and more people know about it. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Um, the name of my company is Wills and Trust, LLC. I can be reached at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Uh, you can give me a call there, leave me a message, and I will call you back. Uh, we sponsor this program because we want people to know how to protect themselves, how to preserve their property, how to pass it on, how to make sure that those that you want are benefited. American law is very clear when it comes to property rights. You have the right to own property regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your sex, regardless of, for that matter, your age. You may not even be able to do anything with it if you're a minor, but at least you, your name can be on it. That's not a good idea, but it can happen. But the law also is very specific about how it gets passed on and what are the consequences of doing it right and what are the consequences of doing it wrong. And one of the things that you, you, one of the ways in which we pass property on is through wills, through trusts, through some deeds, okay, some deeds, um, and you need to know about all these things because one of the main ways in which people own property is through land, through houses. Lawyers, when we use the term property, we also include money. Money is a form of property, and that is money, whether it is in bank accounts, certificates of deposit, savings accounts, uh, stocks and bonds, mutual funds, annuities. All of that is considered property <clears throat> by lawyers. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So when you hear me say the word property, please understand, even though lay people may use the term property, only talk about land and houses <clears throat> as a lawyer <clears throat> i'm sorry um i'm using the word property to include retirement accounts mutual funds brokerage accounts life insurance policies the benefits of life insurance policies cash value in life insurance policies all of that encompasses property and all of those forms of property determine your financial security, 
what financial security your children have, your grandchildren have, your loved ones have, your institutions and your churches have. It's determined, financial security is determined by property, and there are specific laws that govern that property and how it gets passed on. And that's what we talk about each week here at Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. So call me while I'm on the air if you have questions. Don't, there's no dumb questions. So just call if you're curious about something, how does something work, what, what kind of deeds there are, and so on like that. Please call in while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. And again, if you'd like to have an appointment with me to discuss these matters, um, you can reach me through the office at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know can hurt you, but what you do know empowers you. And remember, when you know better, you can do better, okay? When you know better, you can do better. When it comes to property in all its forms, you must put things in writing, and it must be in a legally enforceable format. It is not enough to just know something. It is not enough to know it and tell somebody that that is your wish or your wishes. These are your wishes. It is necessary for you to have a written documentation of your wishes, and that written documentation must be in a legally enforceable form. That's what it's all about. It, it, no excuses. No excuses. When you die, the court is not going to listen to what you said to somebody. When you die, the court is going to look at what was written, what was witnessed, what was attested to, okay? And if it's not done right, the court may say, no, I'm sorry, that writing is not acceptable as a will and not follow it. So it's very important that you go to a lawyer, get the will done, get it executed properly, and get it preserved and given to someone who will be able to produce the original will, the original writing, so that it can transfer property according to your wishes. And that's what a last will and testament does, okay? The will is the most common form of doing it. You can do it with a trust. There are some types, specific types of deeds that you can use to also transfer property. And we've talked about these over the years. But today I thought, you know what? Um, I've talked about aunts and uncles wanting to leave property to their nieces and nephews. I've talked about grandparents and how important it is for grandparents. So many have raised their grandchildren. How very important it is for grandparents to have a last will and testament. And I think I want to add to that, that the original last will and testament of the grandparents 
should be given to the grandchild who is expected to follow it and to carry out those wishes. It's important that the original will be available and submitted to court. Don't leave it under your bed or in a box or something like that where somebody who knows that they will not inherit if they destroy it can get to it. That's important. But I don't want to go off too much on a tangent. I want to talk today about why it is so important that fathers have wills. And I kind of want to focus a little bit on fathers who have children by different ladies. In particular, fathers who have children by different ladies. This may be a touchy subject, but it's important. It's very, very important. If you are a father or if you are a lady who has children by a man who you are not married to or you are no longer married to, or if you are a lady who is married to or in relationship with a man who has children by someone other than you, I want to encourage you to encourage that man to do a last will and testament so that his wishes, his intentions with respect to his property are clear. And whatever it is, if you are the man and you're listening to my voice, please make your intentions clear in a last will and testament. Your will should say, this is who I want to get my property. Okay? It doesn't have to say, this child, this child, this, all of these people are my children. It doesn't have to say, this person is not my child. Okay? I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to do anything that would cause embarrassment or disrespect to anyone. What I am encouraging you to do, however, is to protect the persons that you want to protect. If you want to make sure that your child, a particular child perhaps, certainly if you want to make sure a stepchild or stepchildren that you have raised are going to inherit from you, if you want to make sure that your wife is going to be protected, you should say that in your will. Lawyers that do this kind of work, we are accustomed to a lot of different kinds of family situations. And we know how to draft documents in a way that are respectful and yet clear that it, whatever your wishes are, they will be clearly stated in your will. So let's say we'll, we'll take various circumstances, um, and we'll certainly take questions. But let's say you are married and you have children. 
Let's just, we'll go through different scenarios. And just give suggestions, but each person's situation really is a little different. It really is. Uh, people are always surprised to hear me say that, but it, it, they really are different. And often one little fact will make all the difference in the world. And that is why I encourage you to speak to a live lawyer who can ask questions. You know, we do it over Zoom, but they can see you. A lot of times I, I know questions to ask by what someone does not say. You know, sometimes people will talk a lot about one or two children and not about the other children or other child. And so sometimes I will just sort of gently come around and just ask about that child and say, what, what's the story there? Um, how do you want to deal with this? And then we do it. And, of course, as lawyers, we can't tell nobody what you tell us, okay? We, we can't. It's not, number one, we wouldn't. And number two, the law forbids us to do it. We simply prepare your documents in the way in which you have indicated you want done. And once those documents are done, they are yours. And they're for you to preserve and protect um, and give to the appropriate persons. So if you are a father and you have children, particularly if you have children by more than one lady, whether you were married to that lady or not, does not really matter as far as the law is concerned. If they are your biological children, all children inherit equally, unless you say differently. All children, in or out of marriage, okay? In some states, there may be half-blood versus whole blood. Those, I think some states still have that. But by and large, children are equal, not stepchildren, not stepchildren, okay, but all children are. And so what happens in law sometimes is when a man dies without a will and he has had children or he has children by different ladies and he has not said in his will what he wants done, and sometimes men just don't know what to do. You know, they don't know how quite how to deal with it. That's why you come to a lawyer that does this stuff. And we can often give you some really good suggestions on how to handle things. Um, but when you haven't, and particularly when there may be some question, or even if there has never been a question while you were alive, when a person dies, all kinds of things happen in all families. This is not just because of this particular circumstance that I'm talking about, but in all families, ugly, jealousies, greed, uh, unresolved issues among families, they burst into light. And when you've not left any direction, it can get really ugly, really nasty, very quickly. And especially if you've got some money and you have some assets, quite often the only people who benefit are the lawyers who are fighting with you for each different factor, okay? So I beg of you, please, make sure that you do a will. 
Make sure that you say who is to benefit. Make sure you make it very clear that, you know, this is who I want to inherit from me. This is, I want my house to go here, I want my money to go here, or whatever. However you want it to go, for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter what your reasoning is. It is what you want. One of the things about law is it's your property, but you have to use the legal steps to make sure the persons you want to benefit from it will benefit. And you do that through your will. You do that through your beneficiary designations. You do that through your deeds. You do that through the titles on your bank accounts. All of those are mechanisms, legal mechanisms, by which you preserve, you pass on, you create and protect your legacy. You use your will or your trust to provide. And you make it very clear, this is what I want to happen, whatever it is, whatever it is. And this becomes very important in blended families, in families where, you know, maybe your first wife died, you married another lady, uh, that lady has children of her own, you have children of your own. It's not that hard to sit down and work out what is to happen so that everybody, whether they like it or not, is clear and your wishes are followed. And you set it up and it's so much easier. It's so much easier. But God help those you leave behind when you don't do that. I've, I've seen some really difficult situations where families have been destroyed. Otherwise, you know, respectful, loving, long-term relationships have just been destroyed because that was not done. And um, I I really wanted to bring this up. Uh, So if you want a child to inherit, say so. You don't have to say, I don't want someone to inherit. You can. (laughs) I think, who is it? Lou Rawls? I used to collect wills of famous people, and and one of the singers, I don't, it might not have been Lou Rawls, but it was somebody really famous, like Ray Charles, I mean, a really famous singer, uh, specifically said in his will that so-and-so was not his child, because apparently this person kept saying that they were his child, and so he made it very clear in his will that at least as far as he was concerned, that person was not his child. You don't have to go that far. You don't have to, you don't have to say that unless you just want to, but you don't have to say that. All you have to say is this is who I want to inherit. Okay. This is who I want to inherit. And then the court will, will follow that. The law will follow that. That's important. Okay. Sometimes, um, People will dispute legacies, um, um, often just to make trouble. Sometimes they will, but not always. One of the ways in which you can make sure that your legacy goes the way you want is by putting it in writing. In fact, that's the only way, really. Uh, Do not 
without consulting a lawyer. This program is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trusts, LLC, where the only kind of law we do is wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts. So give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. We continue to work remotely, um, and but it's still the only thing that we do. And we intend to keep on doing that. Uh, so give us a call, and we'll be glad to work with you, your particular situation. And I really look at deeds because deeds control the distribution of property. And um, one of the biggest things that I see happening that's costing people a lot of money in taxes now is in a in a in a in a misguided effort to avoid probate or whatever they think might happen when they die, people are putting other people's names on their deeds. That's a layperson's way of saying that, well, you're a parent and you have two children, I'll just go get a deed and deed my house to my children. One, if they're minors, you certainly don't want to do that because then you just messed up your whole self because minors can't refinance. They can't do anything with property. So do not ever put a minor's name on a deed. That's that's basic, important. Don't do it, okay? Uh, if you have questions about it, call me, 240-638-2828. You do not want to put a minor's name on a deed. Instead, what I recommend is you do a will with a trust or do a trust that says, I deed this property to my trust and I name a successor trustee who will manage this property until my children reach a certain age. It can either be age of majority or whatever age you feel that they'll be mature enough to manage the property and then give it to them. And this is only after I've died, okay? That's that's one of the ways in which if you want minors to have property, you would do it. Um, the reason why you don't, even if your children are adults, the reason why you don't want to put their names on your deed is because they will fail to get what's called a step up in basis when you die. And that is costing a lot of money to a lot of people right now in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia, uh, because a lot of parents thought, well, I'll just put my child's name on the deed, and that way I know for sure that they'll get the property when I die, and they don't have to go to a lawyer, and they don't have to do all these other things. Well, when you die, your child now has your property, but and that's assuming you put it on their right in terms of joint tenants with rights of survivorship. That's that's another whole another question, but let's just see. Let's hopefully you did that, and if you do, when you die, if your child decides that they want to sell that property, or whenever they decide they want to sell that property, they have to pay capital gains tax on the difference between what you bought it for originally and what they sell it for. 
because you prevented them from getting what's called a step up in basis when you died. And that is such an expensive mistake. And I'm seeing a lot of people where it's happening to. Let me just explain carefully what that means. True circumstance. You bought a house in D.C. for $50,000. Quite common 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Very common. That house is now worth $500,000. If you had a will or you had a deed that was only effective after you died, the transfer on death deed, okay? When you died, your the same child would get that house, but the basis would be 400000 It would be whatever the value is when you died, okay? That becomes their basis. So if they sell the house after you die, they don't have to pay capital gains tax. But if you deeded the house to them while you were alive, they got your $50,000 basis. So when you died, they didn't get the step up in basis to 400000 Instead, they're still with that $50,000 basis. And if they turn around and sell the house, they have to pay capital gains tax on the difference between 50000 and $400,000 or $350,000, and capital gains can go up to 20%. So it's a very expensive mistake that I'm seeing a lot of people do. Don't put your children's name on your deed or anyone else's name on your deed just because you want them to inherit from you. Instead, please come to a lawyer who can guide you and show you how to make sure still that person gets the property when you die, which is your intention, but how they can get it without owing this big capital gains tax. It's happening a lot, okay? You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. The only kind of law we do at my office, Wills and Trust LLC, is... We prepare wills and trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives, and associated documents having to do with protecting, preserving, and passing on property. Give us a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. We will send you the client information form that we ask you to fill out and return to us through a secure email portal, if you can do it through email. If you want it done through postal mail, we mail them to you and you can mail them back. When we get it back, then we schedule a video conference where we discuss what is needed and then go forth with an engagement letter, a retainer deposit, and we get the documents done. Even when we do the documents, we review them with you, draft, send them to you, and then once they are approved and ready to sign, then we get together with you to sign the documents, not before. That way you know what you're signing. It's clear. 
I like to review deeds because deeds tell the story. Deeds supersede your will. Let me repeat that. Deeds supersede. They govern in the they govern even regardless of what your will says. So let's say your will says, I want my property to go to Miss Smith, all right, but your deed says your property goes to Miss Taylor. Miss Taylor is gonna get it. Okay, if Miss Taylor's name is already on your deed as a joint tenant, when you die, it will go automatically to them. So that's why it's very important to look at the deed to see what it says. Often we can correct a deed or we can make it say what it should say while you are alive. It's so much easier. When someone dies, it's much harder to correct. So let us help you please with this. This is so very, very important. Same thing with beneficiary designations. Same thing with putting somebody's name on your bank account. All those kinds of things are very, very important. And it is the only thing that we do. Wills and Trust LLC is the name of the company. My name is Attorney Ethel Mitchell. You can give me a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Call me now while I'm on the air. It's a good opportunity to get your questions answered. I can be reached now at 1-800-450-7876. one 450 7876 I've got to go to break. When I come back, unless there's some questions, I'm going to continue to talk a little bit more about how important it is for fathers to have wills, for everyone, but especially for fathers to have wills. It's really, really important. I started out talking about why it is so critically important for fathers to have wills. So let's take some examples. Mr. Smith has two sons. Now let's make it two daughters, two daughters. One daughter is uh, the child of his wife, and one daughter is a young lady that was born before he married his wife. He has paid child support for the first child, uh, as well as cared for the child with his wife throughout his life. They may or may not know about each other. I've had I've had cases where. One child never knew about the other child. One lady never knew about the other lady. I've had, I've actually had those cases. In fact, in one case, they didn't find out until after the man was dead. And going through papers, found the child support papers, okay? So this does actually happen. Mr. Smith has these two daughters, and he has cared for both of them. In different ways, the one child that he had outside of his marriage, before his marriage, actually, he paid child support as was ordered by the court until that child was 18 years of age. He may not have had a relationship with that child or with that child's mother other than the birth of the child. And his primary relationship has always been with his wife and his and the daughter that they have together. So Mr. Smith is wondering how can he take care of this? 
How can he do this in a way that does not hurt either child? And how can he protect the daughter that he has with his wife, with whom he's closer? Okay, this is the way life has happened, all right? So Mr. Smith comes in. Maybe he comes in by himself. Maybe his wife doesn't even know about this other child. And he comes to his lawyer and he says, lawyer, Miss lawyer, I've got another child. My wife doesn't know. And I want him to keep it that way. I've taken care of that child as the court has ordered, but I don't really have a relationship with her. I may have, you know, kept up, you know, in another way just to make sure she's okay. But I don't really want that child to inherit anything more. I did my duty toward her and and her mother, and but I don't really have a relationship with them. I want to make sure that my wife and my children, my child, and my marriage are the beneficiaries of my estate. But I also don't want to hurt this other child. What I would recommend usually in that case, each case is a little different, is that we do either a will or preferably a trust. The only reason for that difference is a trust is completely private. A trust is not recorded publicly anywhere unless there's a dispute about his capacity to create the trust. Uh, but short of something like that, which is very, very rare, um, the trust would remain private. Uh, but either way, we would create a trust or a will, and the will would say Mr. Smith is married to Mrs. Smith, and Mr. Smith deeds his property, or not deeds, but distributes his property to his wife and then names the other, the child of his wife. He doesn't have to name the other child at all, okay? He can. He can. In, in some cases that I've had, the, even the wife has insisted that the other children be named as his children, okay, because they are his children. And, but in that instance, there had been an ongoing relationship with the children who were not hers. In many places, in many cultures, children are known not to be the cause of the problem, okay? In fact, it's not really a problem. Uh, it is just that they are there, they are cared for, in many instances, the women are good friends. They, or at least they know each other. They interact with each other. And, and it's, not a, a, it's, it's not a problem at all. If indeed that is your situation and you want to name your children, you can name them all. And still say that my home, my bank accounts, my property will go to my wife and these particular children and not to those other children. Okay, or you can say, I give to the other children ABC, and then I give everything else to my wife and my children. That is entirely up to you. Okay, but you should have a will that clearly identifies who you want to benefit, regardless of who that is. So let's say Mr. Smith has uh, his trust. His trust, and we would 
do what we call fund the trust. We'd put the bank accounts in the name of the trust. We'd put his property in the name of the trust. And the trust would say, when I die, I name my wife or whoever you want, my brother, as the trustee, successor trustee after me. And I I direct him to, if the child is grown, deed the house to child number two and direct that he or she allow my wife to live in the house for the rest of her life, if that's his wishes, and then everything else would go to his wife and his child. Or however, whatever combinations of things would work for you, you would do that. Because it is the law will follow your wishes if you put them down in a legally enforceable way. And that means if you have a properly drawn up will that is properly attested to, not just witnessed, but attested, and attested is different from notary, your witnesses must not be someone who inherits from you, must not be, do not have a will that says to uh, child B, and then child B is a witness to the will, because he will have to give up what you left him in the will. Okay, and only get through intestacy, we call it. But it's important that you have, that's why I keep saying, please let a lawyer prepare these things for you because we know what we're doing and we know how to do them right. Okay, you don't. You do what you do and I do what I do. But please, I beg of you, get a properly drawn up will or trust. And you can very clearly, very easily provide for the persons that you want to provide for. Because if you don't, I'm going to also explain to you what happens if Mr. Smith dies without a will and these two children. And and let's make it really clear. Let's make Mr. Smith die without a will. He's got two daughters, one he had before he married, one he had with his wife, And let's make it real clear and say his wife died before him. So when he dies, there are two daughters that are are left. Those are his heirs. They will each inherit equally, even if they didn't know about each other. Even if one daughter never knew the other daughter existed. Even if one daughter grew up in the house that was owned by Mr. Smith, the other daughter did not. The other daughter never knew her father. I had a case like that once. And yet, after that man died because he did not leave a will, both of his children inherited everything together and had to share equally. And so the child that thought he was or she was an only child had been raised as the only child with continual relationship between the father and so on like that, all of a sudden woke up and realized, wait a minute, there was a part of daddy I didn't even know about. And now I have to share the houses, the land, the money, and everything with another child. And it was difficult, shall we say, to accept. 
and it could easily have been much more easily and clearly taken care of. So if you are a father with children by different ladies, please do a will. That is important, okay? That is important. We're talking today about the importance of wills, particularly for fathers. There are three documents everybody needs to have, whether you're father or not, mother and aunt, uncle, single, with children or without children. If you are an adult, you need to have three documents at least, a last will and testament, a power of attorney, advanced medical directives. You need the last will and testament to dispose of your property that you leave at the time of your death, okay? You need your power of attorney to empower your a person of your choosing to take care of your money and your legal affairs while you are alive, if God forbid you have a stroke or you're in a bad car accident or you're just not able to manage your own legal affairs. That's important. And in today's world of COVID and cancer and all kinds of things, you really need to have your power of attorney done. You also need a medical directive so that the doctors will know who to discuss your medical records with, who to discuss the types of treatment that they have to offer, and who is authorized to sign releases and give them permission to do the kinds of things that they may need to do, whether it's operating, um, you know, all the many, many types of treatments that the medical uh, uh, establishment have for different kinds of diseases and, and, and so on. So the medical directive says this is who you can talk to. It says this is what I want if I'm near death in certain circumstances, either I want life support or not, um, and, and whether to give you a feeding tube. And the, met, and the power of attorney says, this is who I want to sign my checks, manage my money, <clears throat> and make legal decisions for me if I'm not able to. The last will and testament only takes effect after you have died. The last will and, let me just say that again. The last will and testament only takes effect after you have died. You can change it at any time as long as you're in your right mind. It still has to be um, signed properly. It has to be attested by two witnesses in most states. Um, and they have to sign at the same time in front of you when you sign. They have to see you sign it. Then they have to sign in front of you. They have to say that they saw you sign it that you were in your right mind, you were over 18, and you knew what you were signing, okay? That's called the attestation. So those three documents are critical for everyone, the last will and testament, the power of attorney, and the advanced medical directive. For people who want privacy in the distribution and handling of their property, a trust is effective. For people who want to control their assets after their death, like make sure that the money that they're leaving is available to pay for their children's um, education, for their health care, for their housing, for all the other things that parents provide to their children. They may want to, and, and especially if those children are young and immature, 
a trust is what is indicated because it allows you to control and, and, and impose your own values and your wishes. You can say, don't give it to them if they commit a felony. Don't give it to them if they have an addiction um, or insist that they get training. In many of my, my trusts, people will say, I want them to have a licensed financial advisor to advise them on the use of the money that I'm leaving with them so that I know that they are getting good advice. Um, uh, so a trust is very effective for control. It's very effective for privacy. It's extremely effective when you have property in different states. A lot of people here have property here in Washington, D.C. or Maryland, and they also have property where in their homes, where they come from. They inherited or they bought property in North Carolina, in South Carolina, in Texas, in Mississippi, you know, all over the country. Um, people have property. When you have a trust and you are able to put that property into your trust, then you don't have to probate your will, which is what you have to do otherwise, in the states where the property exists. You open a will probate in your domiciliary state, and then you go with those papers to North Carolina, South Carolina, wherever the other properties are, and have to follow their laws with respect to changing the title on the property into the persons that you've named, okay, in your will. Some states require you to open what we call an ancillary probate. Other states will accept a what we call a triple seal or a particular type of document from your domicile state, and that's recorded on the record. It, it varies with each state. A trust can avoid all of that. So if you have property in different states, it may be wise to use a trust instead of a will. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. It is critically important for anyone to have these documents. It's especially important and necessary for anyone who is a grandparent and wants their grandchild or grandchildren to inherit. You must have a will or a trust that says, to my grandchild or to my grandchildren. One thing that you have to understand also is that once you give property to someone, let's say your will says, I give this property to my child, you can no longer control what that child does with that property. So if you say, I give this property to my child when I die, you can't control the fact that that child may turn around and sell it or give it to somebody else. Once you give your property to your wife or your husband, you cannot control what they do with that property, okay? A lot of people will say, well, I want them to hold on to it and give it to my grandchildren. Well, once you've given it to them, you have lost control over that property at that point. You have. The only way in which you can maintain control is through a trust. And it may or may not be a good idea. I'm not, you know, not, I'm not passing judgment on the practical side of it because I think sometimes people 
you know, we want to hold on to property. They don't make any more land. My grandmother always said that. But we don't have any provisions for paying the taxes or the upkeep on the houses that are there and so on like that. So you have to be practical. But you can still say what your wishes are with respect to them. And we can try to design a way to make sure that those taxes and so on get paid. Um, but it's only through a trust that you can do that. A will distributes property outright. It says, I give to this person. You might say to this person, a life estate, and then to somebody else. You could kind of do it that way. But um, you want whatever you do, have your lawyer not just do the will or the trust, but look at the deed. Because the deed will supersede anything that's in your will. If your deed says to A and B, and your will says to C and D, the deed is going to supersede the will. If your bank account says to A and B, and the will says to C and D, the bank account document is going to supersede the will. Bank account governs whatever you tell the bank in your written documentation on payable on debt beneficiary or whatever you tell the life insurance policy or the retirement accounts on your beneficiary designation supersedes whatever is said in your will or in your trust. Keep that in mind. So that's why it's so important to make sure those things are coordinated. It's very important to make sure those things are coordinated. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I am your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell, and each week I try to bring you information that you can use as, and make use of the law to secure your own financial well-being and to create the kind of legacy, create the financial security that you want and that you can provide. This is doable for almost everybody that's listening to me today. You may not think that you have a lot, but most people have a lot more than they are aware of. I used to have people that would come in and you know, I always say, okay, what, what, what's your address? Where are your bank accounts, your life insurance policy, your retirement accounts? And then I would add it all up for them. And they would go, I remember one lady, she was in her 80s. She said, no, no, Ms. Mitchell, that can't be. I was like, yes, ma'am. I just added up all these certificates of deposits and, you know, bank accounts and retirement and life insurance and the value of your house. And it was so much more money than she ever realized. And I said, you have given your children or you will be giving your children an amazing legacy. And that's true for everyone that owns a home in particular. In particular, a lot of the homes that I'm, I'm now helping to pass on with wills or people who have died with wills um, that I did 10 years ago are four and five and six hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. And when it's done properly, it can really give intergenerational wealth. Your last will and testament is critically important to the distribution of your property 
what you do, what you say is private, it is personal. And when you come to a lawyer asking for advice, we are bound by the laws of confidentiality. Your last will and testament should reflect your wishes, whatever they may happen to be, okay? Do understand that your will is or becomes a public document after you die. It is filed in the court. It is not online. But when the courts open back up, at least in theory, you're able to go down and take a look at it. Very few people do, but just know that that does happen. A trust rarely becomes public. That is one big difference, okay? But more importantly, regardless of which one you choose, your wishes should govern and do govern the disposition of your property. You want a lawyer who does this kind of work to listen, to review the titles on your deeds, on your bank accounts, your beneficiary designations, to your life insurance policies, your retirement accounts, your annuities, to make sure that whatever your wishes are, they will be followed. It is possible, but you must get it done in writing in a legally enforceable way. Once it's done, it is so much easier. I, I, can, I do this all day long, and I can tell you the difference between what happens when someone dies, having made these, these preparations and made these arrangements legally and all the documents are signed and so forth, the difference in the ease to the family and to the intended beneficiaries is just like night and day. It is a wonderful way of creating a legacy that is honored and easy to pass on. It certainly helps to maintain uh, family unity uh, and legacy and the type of intergenerational wealth that most people really want to do. They want to make sure that their hard work is honored, it is respected, and it is passed on as they wish. So give us a call at Wills and Trusts, LLC, 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. We will create an estate plan and implement those documents have you sign them, assist you in getting everything done so that you can rest easy knowing that you have done what you needed to do to make sure that those that you want will benefit. This is how intergenerational wealth happens. This is a critical component of that happening. If you do not do this, it will create problems after your death for those that you leave behind. It will. Do not presume that the law will give your property as you think it should. It just might not. It just might not. If you 
don't quite know how to do things because maybe you have some situations that uh, you, you know, may or may not be to your liking, let's talk about it. That's what we do. We talk about them, we come to a conclusion, and then we finish it off and do whatever it is that you determine is best. We are bound by the laws of confidentiality, and um, your wishes are your wishes. And we're bound to do that and to help you to accomplish your wishes for intergenerational wealth. You're going to leave intergenerational money and assets because you leave your assets here, whatever they are. Very few people really spend all their money before they die. A lot of my clients say, I'm going to spend it all. You know, I ain't worried about them and so on like that. That is very rare, okay, as a practical matter. As a practical matter, most people are going to live in their houses until they die, okay? They're going to have some money left over. They're going to have retirement money. They're going to have bank accounts. They've bought life insurance a long time ago that they still have, you know. So you might as well determine where it should go, whether it's your children, whether it's your church, whether it's St. Jude's or sister mentors or Omega Psi Phi or Kappa Alpha Psi or Zeta Phi Beta, AKAs, Delta, sickle cell hospitals. Make and that's your legacy. That's what you leave behind. So let us help you create that. Get your questions together if you have questions to call in and ask them next week. Also, uh, this will be posted on the podcast, as I said before, uh, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell podcast. It's up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever Google's platform is, iHeartRadio, and so on like that. So you can have others to listen to it uh, even after this program. We're, we're getting them up uh, so that you can listen. Uh, so please do go there. Also, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, if you would like me to do a, a presentation to your church, to groups, um, uh, organizations that you have, um, to deltas, to you know, sororities, fraternities, uh, personal, you know, just private groups of at least 10, uh, preferably at least, I would be glad to do that. Let me know. Uh, call me at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. I usually will create a PowerPoint presentation based on who you expect to be there, their ages, their concerns, and if there are particular questions. I've done them for realtors. I've done them for engineers. Uh, I've done them for uh, MBAs. I've done them for groups of all types. Um, because this is something that we all need to know. <clears throat> Make sure your parents and your grandparents get this work done, please. Your aunts and your uncles, your godchildren, your godparents, and yourself. You are not too young to do it, and you're not too old to do it either. So tune in next week. I will be back on between 8.30 and 10. Put together your questions and call in while I'm here on the air or call me at 
Wills and Trust, LLC, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to prepare these documents for you. In the meantime, please do stay safe and have a good day.